Welcome everybody to episode number 30. Wow, we made it, Jim. Number 30 of the Still City Insider Podcast. I'm one of your hosts here, Jeremy Ritz, alongside the Jim Wexel. Jim, how are you doing on this beautiful Saturday? I'm good, Jeremy. It is beautiful. I love the cool weather. Uh, we only have a few days left of May. I love it. Yes. And we are in full OTA season, and we're going to talk about that here today. Jim's going to dig in uh, from what he's seen in OTAs. We'll also talk a bit about the new general manager and assistant general manager who will be taking over for Kevin Colbert. And then we'll close out the show by talking briefly about some of the undrafted rookie free agents. So, Jim, it's been a while since we got together. Anything new going on in your world? (laughs) Nobody wants to hear about my world uh, other than what I do at work. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, football is back on and uh, you got to love that. I I mean, it's funny. Mike Tomlin came up first day of rookie minicamp. He comes over. He goes, so you're going to call this work? I said, are you? You know, you're walking around talking to reporters while your assistants are working. And uh, he laughed, and we both agreed that this is the most beautiful time of the year. You go to work, and well, you pretend it's work, and you're watching football in the spring. You don't have to uh, predict a winner for Sunday. You don't have to rip a coach on Monday. You just watch football from the sidelines in the spring and get a suntan. Awesome. Well, it sounds like uh, a great time, and we're going to start there talking about OTAs, and and we'll kind of start with a general 30,000-foot view, and then we'll drill down into specific players, Jim. But with Ben not being in camp, um, not camp, but OTAs, mini camp, after 18 years, is there a different feel at the organized team activities this year, or is it business as usual? Not really. It seems like a different feel because there's seem to be doing less scrimmaging and more teaching in individual position drills. Uh, you know, you see Trubisky emerging as a leader. He definitely has the gravitas, nothing like Ben had. And, you know, Ben uh, emerged as a leader and, and worked it and uh, um, was clearly a leader in these kind of mini camp uh, and OTA situations uh, with new players. And you see some of that from Trubisky, although he can't be what Ben was, you see that he's a leader and that people are following him. Mm -hmm. And kind of sticking there for a minute, let's start with the quarterbacks. I know both Trubisky and Rudolph spoke with the media. They're saying all the right things. They're being very diplomatic that they're going to work with Pickett. Um, what's the feel of that quarterback room? Um, is there any camaraderie that you're seeing, uh, from the four? And what's just your initial take early on here in OTAs? Yeah, I mean, I see Rudolph talking to the starting quarterback this year. That's new. (laughs) And um, I I see, um, you know, Trubisky's emerging. Rudolph, um, you know, I thought he would be more decisive, and he's not. It's the same. He's going to have to pick that up. I, uh, uh, but Trubisky surprised me with his decisiveness early. Um, really, there's not much scrimmaging going on, and there's not much long passing going on. You know, I, I, I see these comments about the rookie wide receivers and, and all that stuff, and I'm just 
there's just not much to see to tell the truth. They're still getting a feel for each other. And there's a lot of new position coaches, a lot of uh, drills being run in position groups. Yeah. What about in terms of, so I know you said that you're not seeing a lot of deep passes from these four guys, but of the four, are you able to differentiate between who has the most zip on the ball out of Trubisky, Pickett, Rudolph, and Oladokun? I, I, would go, I, I would go in depth chart order. I would say Trubisky, Rudolph, Pickett, and Oladokun. Uh, you know, uh, a ball slipped. Uh, I don't know if it slipped, but it, uh, Pickett missed an out five, ten yards. Someone turned and looked at me like, and I, you know, it's not like he's been throwing bad passes, but it was raining. It was drizzling. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can report that that his hands might be too small, you know, in the <laughs> rain. I mean, I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying what I saw. Uh-huh. It was yeah. one of the few times there was rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of looked like it slipped and sailed. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'm the only guy that seems to be persistent with this. I've let it go only because my hands measure eight and a half exactly. And I can't grip the damn ball. I, I can't. So, you know, Tomlin came over. He made a joke during rookie minicamp. He's Kenny's hands looking pretty big today. He's joking. I said, you know, my hand measures the same and I can't grip those balls. And he just walked away like, bah. He, he, he wants he wants the usual reporters to joke around with them like that question was totally absurd. And why was it an issue mm-hmm. when to me, I, I think it's kind of an issue, but I'm the only one. So call me crazy. But you're you're on an island with the hand size. <laughs> that's because my hands the exact same size and I know what the <laughs> kids dealing with. <laughs> so wait, you actually you measured your hands. I did. <laughs> because when they, you know, when, when they went out, they, they were saying all these shows where you take it from the thumb to the pinky. All right. Get the tape measure. Wow. Eight and a half. Okay. Well, that explains why I hate when those balls bounce over to me and I have to throw them in and I just spin them underhand. I don't want to show off my rag arm, you know, and my, and a ball might slip out of my hand. Maybe we could do like a contest with our uh, viewers, whoever's got the biggest hand size and they take a picture of it. <laughs> We'll give him like a jersey or something. <laughs> I really didn't want to get into this too much, but I'm just saying what I saw one time. And you can all kill me. And it, it's, I don't know, it, it might be a big deal. It might not. I hope yeah. nobody makes a big deal out of it. There's right. one pass that slipped in the rain. Yeah. But that's a kid that can't have passes slip or everybody's going to say, hey. Yeah. We are. So you mentioned, uh, you know, just a different feel terms of different positional coaches and wanted to spend some time talking about the offensive line last year around this time, big, bad Adrian Clem. Oh, we're going to be physical. We're going to punch people in the mouth. Rah, rah, rah. And then we saw the product on the field and it was abhorrent uh, last they, year. They were, they were punching in the mouth. I liked all that. <laughs> it just, sounds good. Kendrick green just had no clue what he was doing. Right. So this year with, uh, you know, I read a little bit, listened to some of the players speaking about James Daniels, talking about him already assuming the leadership role, which is ironic being that he's only 24. But looking at the O-linemen, I know you can't really glean much because it's football and shorts, but in terms of 
size of these players? Do you see any noticeable difference in size of Green or Dan Moore or a core four? Um, and what about just understanding of the offense? Is there anything that you were able to pick up from OTAs from this offensive line and their new coach? Well, let me just say right now, the only person who really stands out for improved size is Najee. His thighs. I mean, he's Quadzilla. Uh, everybody's <laughs> talking about it. I didn't write about it yet because he hasn't been in a locker room to talk about it. I wrote about Fryermuth being bigger, stronger, faster, and he is. I mean, Najee's just, oh, my God, how, how did this happen? <laughs> so everybody's talking about it. I presume everyone's writing about it. So, you, But, I mean, for me to tell whether Kendrick Green looks the same. It's the same. Dan Moore, I haven't really sized him up. These guys aren't in pads. Uh, I, I mean, James Daniels, we talked about after his uh, Zoom conference interview that he seemed like a leader, and he is. He's speaking like a leader, and that's uh, that, that's good to hear. And Mason Cole, you know, all I can tell you about is their interviews because watching what offensive linemen do on the first week of OTAs is pretty worthless. To tell <laughs> you. I, I think it's more important what the depth chart looks like. And here, here's an example. Uh, Kendrick Green works in with um, – Kevin Dotson at getting some first reps. Now I had compared um, uh, Green's situation to that of Mason Rudolph in that they will both be uh, that while they're both second team, they'll both get their chance, but Green is getting first team reps. Rudolph on the second day of OTAs gave way to Pickett as the number two. Wow. So he's rotating the other way. Okay. So, so I, I wanted to ask you about that, too, because I did see that this is going to be an open competition at, at left guard between Kevin Dotson and Kendrick Green. I know last year around this time, um, we talked about a report that came out that the organization was unhappy with Dotson, that he was out of shape coming into camp or he wasn't in his playbook enough. Is this a legitimate competition that Green's going to be able to actually compete at left guard or is this just they're trying to get reps to see what he can contribute? Well, I'm not sure what that report has to do with anything. It, it kind of besmirches uh, Dotson's reputation, which was uh, cleared up by his line coach. He's got a, you know, he's got a great work ethic. He was injured last year. Um, Kendrick Green uh, is a long shot to win that job because, as a backup guard center, he provides uh, that versatility as a, a, a reserve. And Dotson's much bigger. Um, but, you know, we'll see who wins. That, that that stuff will be determined when the pads come on and in preseason games. Right, right. Going back to Najee Harris there, uh, I saw where Zach Gentry called him an action figure, that he just looks more explosive and bigger. And I, I did see some photos um, of Harris, and he he is looking pretty thick. I just wonder if he got new tight, tighter, smaller shorts. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, how could these suddenly we, we all see, I mean, this kid's been a hard worker his whole life. Yeah. And the calves. I mean, so action figure, Hey, Gentry should speak for himself. That dude has really made himself into a mountain of a man. I'm looking for a Matt Spath like uh, develop, you know, Matt Spath, sorry to change gears on you. We'll get back to Najee, but Matt Spath was, um, not the blocker that he became uh, for a few, two, three years. Mm -hmm. And then he became a great blocker. So uh, I'm thinking Gentry could follow in those footsteps and be a, a, 
very important piece as a second tight end. Yeah. And uh, as for Najee, um, he's exciting. And you know how I, I have told you in the past that he needs to, if I were advising him, if I were his guy, I'd say, don't do so many interviews. Don't, don't be doing all that cutesy stuff. reporters. <laughs> and he's not, he's not, he's not around for interviews. Now I'm mad at myself. <laughs> Cause I need to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's another another round of OTAs coming up this week, right before the mandatory mini camp. Yeah, and uh, that's I don't know whose mistake or if it was a mistake, but there should be three weeks of OTAs, and they oh. got limited. Apparently, they got off to a slow start and they oh. got past the deadline, so they had to cut out a week of, of OTAs. Oh, that's that's killer. I mean, in terms of installation of, I'd like to I'd like I'd like to get to know more about that, but that's all I know. Yeah. So I want to I want to go back. We were talking. You were talking there about Gentry and Freyermuth. I want to reference something that you said. This was our first episode that re- we recorded last July. But you talked about Pat Freyermuth and just how you you said that he's going to be a guy that later on in the season people are going to say, "Where did he come from?" But you also referenced too that in year two that he would be a much better player than he was year one, just because the, of the addition of size and getting bigger and being able to contribute more in the blocking game. Um, I read wh- where he said that he is, he is heavier, but he's lighter. Um, I don't know if you could speak to what you've seen from Freyermuth so far. Does he look physically noticeably bigger? Um, and I guess, how are you projecting his improvement from last year to this year? Yeah. Hey, I take responsibility for those quotes because I went up to him in the locker room. I, I saw him running through people faster, bigger, stronger, faster. And he's running through, I mean, this is touch tackle in shorts. Mm-hmm. So I went up to talk to him and there was a, sometimes these TV stations will send a cameraman out without a reporter and they'll say, just glom on to other people, other, listen to other people's questions. So when we have a one-on-one, the etiquette is not to interrupt the one-on-one because once it's two-on-one, the whole mob comes. So I went up to Friarmouth and uh, went to ask him that and this cameraman just came up. We had no reporter. He wanted to use me as the reporter. And then the mob came. And uh, so a few of my questions got broadcast to everybody and I've yet to use them. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, the re reunion uh, in the locker room must be revisited. The etiquette rules must be revisited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've got that off my chest. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, you're welcome. I'll just set you up for that. I mean, but he's bigger, faster, stronger. I don't know what, I mean, he's, he, he's a good quote and he has a way of putting things and that's cool. And I like, I like the fact he's going to become a go-to veteran type guy who's not afraid to give a smart, snappy, funny answer. Yeah. Some of these guys, you know, they, they don't want to step out of line. He's not, he knows he's not going to step out of line. He's a necessary component. He's going to be himself, and he's going to be a good locker room guy. I just feel it. Yeah. So looking at that third tight end spot, I know Kevin Rader uh, was that guy last year, but with the addition of Connor Hayward, I see that he's wearing – I forget what number. It's a tight end number. Do you think he he has a chance to <laughs> be that? I forget what number? <laughs> he's Miller's number, 83. Oh, he's got Miller's number. Oh, man. Yeah. Do you see him – I mean, I know he's going to be used uh, – variations he's going to be a high utility guy it's not going to be one thing but do you think they'll keep him on as the number three tight end that they'll push Raider to the practice squad and then utilize him in the backfield does does Hayward have a legitimate shot 
Well, you know, it's going to be a numbers thing and that's going to take a while. And there's always injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, when they give a number like 83, a revered number like 83 out, it's either the guys, they know he's going to, they're going to cut him soon or they really like him. And I think in this case, they really like Connor. Now he's got to go about proving it. And all I can tell you is he has might have the sweetest hands on the team. I mean, you don't hear, you don't hear a whisper when that ball hits his hands. Wow. And he can run. And so, uh, and he's, he's small man and his inline blocking will be in question, but it's always something that tight ends can improve. And so, you know, it'll be a numbers thing. Mm-hmm. What position can they take from if they say they cut Anthony McFarland as the number three tailback, they can use, they know Connor can be an emergency tailback. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's uh, the only time they've had, I could be wrong about this, but I, I believe in my memory banks, the only brief stretch of time that they had two quarterbacks on the roster was when they counted Antoine Randall as the emergency third guy. So that's kind of the similar situation that Connor Hayward can be in because yeah. he can run the ball. He's a good runner. You know, you got fullback, you got, he can be an emergency tailback in my opinion and tight end H back, those kinds of things. So he's a nice pickup and, Boy, we're a long way from really gauging who's going to make it as a tight end. Jay Sternberger, uh, I had confused him originally with Fryermuth. I, mm-hmm. I thought 85 was uh, Fryermuth till I saw 88. Who's this 88? Boy, he looks big and strong. And that was Fryermuth. 85 <laughs> was Jay Sternberger, a former high draft pick who busted out. I forget what round he was taking him. But uh, uh, he's got some speed and some pass catching ability. And maybe he's a reclamation project. Uh, he's got some, he's, he's a receiving tight end. He's got those kind of skills. So he's, he's another guy that's interesting to a degree. Yeah. So, and I did read your piece. I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about that here, um, but one more player before I get in that. How about Alex Highsmith? I know you can't really glean much. I have no clue. I have not looked at Alex Highsmith in the least. I mean, I, I, I look at reps. I, I only got one chance. So, I'm not going to look at Alex Highsmith. Uh, I don't even know if he's bigger, stronger, faster. I don't. Know. I just know he's got to start doing something. So, um, uh, year three. I mean, he better do something this year. I mean, it's he, time. He, yeah, it's he, time. He's been given enough chance. Yeah, I mean, he seems like a good player. But let's start putting up some sacks. Yep. Um, you know the uh, the pass rushers. Uh, Tyree Johnson had some big buzz at rookie minicamp from important people. Yeah. And uh, he has been injured a bit. He's been standing on the sideline. And so it's his third day he dressed and uh, I did not see anything. Uh, Please tell me it's not a hamstring. <laughs> I have no idea what it is. I actually, I wanted to talk to him to get a summer preview. And I, I look, uh, uh, you know, this is a new locker room and things are moved around. And there's also uh, plexiglass separating each locker as a COVID thing. So it's a different locker room. And I looked up and there was a, a player bent over tying his shoe. And I looked up and it was 45 Johnson. And I said, uh, Tyree. And he didn't uh, look up. I go, Tyree. And he didn't look up. And I'm like, man, this, this kid's either can't hear. He has had problems with his hearing. Maybe that's why he was undrafted. Or maybe he just doesn't want to do another interview. And finally, Johnson looks up. 
I go, Tyree, you got him in? He goes, I'm not Tyree, I'm Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> right linebacker, oh. close to the same number, 45. Yeah. Right college, wrong Johnson. Mm. And so uh, I did not get to speak with Tyree to ask him what his injury was. And it doesn't matter in the spring anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then we, so I started talking about why, why are the Steelers signing all these Texas A&M kids? Yeah. It's it's Aggie takeover, man. Yeah. It's a lot. That's for sure. Um, So the the last player I wanted to talk about, and this is going to reference your, let let me throw something in about Buddy Johnson. He He looks bigger, stronger, and he's second team. He's moved ahead of that uh, outrageous third-team gang combo of Marcus Allen and Ulysses Gilbert. Okay, well that's that's good to know. At it, least at least they're looking at him that way. I mean, right. this is spring where the coaches want him to be second string. Doesn't mean he's going to end up being second string. So for for uh, Johnson, is he more of a buck or a mac? Because I thought he was a buck coming out, but I forget where I read that they they look at him more as a, a mac inside backer. Well, Robinson, I Robinson's a buck. Devin's is a buck. Um, so if he's running second team with um, who's the other second team linebacker? Man, you're really guzzling the coffee. <laughs> it's nine o'clock. It's about five o'clock. Uh, I drink until about like ten. <laughs> That's why I have high blood pressure. I wish I could think of a second team linebacker. Do you come on, help me out here? Uh, so you got Devin and Miles running number one. Um, then it would be Buddy Spillane. Spillane. Yes. Yeah. He's got to be. I don't, a know. I, don't know I don't know what Buddy's playing the Bucker to Mac, uh, but um, uh, I was surprised when uh, Miles Jack told me he was playing the Mac because mm-hmm. uh, that means Devin's the Buck. And you usually want your more sturdy run stopping guy as the buck. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's interesting. All right. So I want to reference uh the the most recent piece you wrote about um for the OTAs and the the Texan. I want to talk about the Texan here. Gunner. Love that kid, man. Gunner Olszewski. Can you talk a little bit about Gunner? Gunner Olszewski. Um well, I, I mean, you read the piece. What questions do you have? I, I pretty much poured it all out there. I, yeah. I don't know where to start. Right. So I guess it's looking at this wide receiver. And please right. don't bring up Brian Switzer. <laughs> I already blasted someone for bringing up another white guy to compare to him. He's yeah. I don't see a comparison. Switzer was slow. Um, I guess. And looking at the wide receiver room, um, it sounds like from reading your article that he's going to be more than just a special team player. He's got potential that he can actually contribute. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's what everyone wants. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. Right. He's nine catches in three years in the Patriots. That's one thing I didn't get to ask him, why the Patriots gave up on him. Now, the Patriots didn't tender him uh, at the $2.4 million. And sometimes the Steelers do that, and they get the guy back for cheaper than $2.4 million. The Steelers got him at, what, $4.2 million for two years? So they got, they got him at $2.1 million. Did the Patriots try to get him back at $2 million per? The Steelers paid less than the tender for a restricted free agent. So I'm just wondering if the Patriots' intentions were to, to, to negotiate and bring him back, or did they just have enough of him? Uh, because he's a great punt returner. 
he's a great punt returner. And that's a loss. Did the Patriots say, you know, we've it, for the Patriots to give up on him means they've totally given up on his chances to become a slot receiver, mm-hmm. which in the spring against air in shorts, he looks like a great one to me. He, he, he looks cocky. He looks like a veteran who is confident mm-hmm. and knows what he's doing and has the gravitas. I, I really was surprised to see he only had nine catches with the Patriots. So uh, if he can make it as a slot receiver, great. Cause um, you know, Austin's a rookie and slot receivers are like tight ends in that they are security blankets for quarterbacks. So there has to be some shared knowledge and wisdom, which you don't usually get from a rookie. And this old Shevsky is fearless, man. I mean, I just, I like his old demeanor and that's why I wrote about his demeanor and how unique he is as a personality. Yeah. Uh, you know, dirty South Texan. You know, he wants to ride bulls when he's done with this. He was a catcher that, you know, wanted to be, as a ninth grade catcher, wanted to catch the 100 mile an hour fastballs of, of the, the varsity guy who came back, the uh, the pro guy. Um, he's just that kind of athlete, and he's promoted as special by all of his former coaches. And he looks special to me in shorts against air and against cornerbacks who wear number 40 who i have never never even heard of lyndon stevens i looked him up i didn't know they had a lyndon stevens did you yeah i think he was like a futures guy or something like that all right well yeah he got schooled yeah and so what does that mean i don't know but he sure doesn't look like ryan switzer to me yeah yeah all right, well, Jim, real fast, just closing up here. I just want to hit on a couple of these undrafted rookie free agents. Again, I know it's football on shorts. There's not much you can glean from this. Um, but two guys who had tryouts, or there were three guys who had tryouts in the uh, rookie minicamp. Carlin's Platel, cornerback, who made it. Um, oh, he's, Tyler- getting a lot of, he's getting a lot of time. I'll tell you that. He's getting more time than uh, the kid from USC, Steele. Still. And, and sometimes that doesn't mean anything, mm-hmm. but it makes you wonder why, because there are limited reps. Yeah. You know, why is, what would you say his name is Patel? Yeah. Carlin's Patel. He, he was getting, he was getting a lot of reps, uh, you know, second team and stuff like that. Yeah. He so, played at division two assumption college before he transferred to uh, South Carolina. So, and he's a slower guy, like a four, six, let's say like a four, six, four. So below average speed for a corner. But I think they were saying like, more of a slot guy. Hey, for me, yeah, right. That's what he's working. So mm-hmm. for me to gauge his future skills is, mm-hmm. I mean, not something I'm going to try to do. Right. But I can say that the coaches seem to have an interest in him. Okay. Now, how about the other guy? Uh, Tyler Sneed, the five seven hundred. He's small. He's is- small. He's not impressing me. Okay. Because everything uh, I've read about him, he was a uh, fan favorite there at East Carolina. Big heart. I'm sure he has a big heart. He's a, you know, those small catch radius guys like Dre Archer. And that's what I worry about Austin. Yeah. Short arms, small frames. Mm-hmm. Then, then the last one was uh, Nick Saiba. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Kicker out of Wake Forest. And I thought a little bit more about this one. Now he had the second, he's the second most accurate kicker in college football history. <laughs> Is this a guy that they will try to stash on the practice squad in the event that there's ever an injury to Boswell or 
Is this a player that maybe they're grooming for, let's say, like Sean Sweezum has an injury that, you know, ends his career, then they have their guy. Yeah, well, you got to wait to see if he can kick first. But, I mean, the first thing that's got to happen for young number four, he's got to get on the roster. He's the only guy not on the roster yet. Because I keep saying, they got four on the roster yet? So, I don't know if that says anything about his chances. <laughs> Dude's got to get on the roster. I'm, you know, he's he's got to show off in, in preseason before they begin any stash games. Otherwise, he's just what are they, a camp leg. Yeah. Just to rest the starter. Yeah. Yeah. See, where else are you going to hear about Carlin's Platel, Tyler Sneed, and Nick Saiba? Nowhere. Well, some of those guys I hope we never hear of again. <laughs> I love the undrafted rookie free agents, man. I'm, I'd love I the undrafted story. <laughs> I can tell. Almost as much as you love coffee. <laughs> I do. See, I'm all I'm all jacked up now. So I'm going to go watch some kicker film. So... Well, everybody, we appreciate you joining us here today for episode number 30. Uh, Jim and I have actually talked about training camp this summer. I'm going to try to get out there. Um, maybe he could sneak me in so I could see some practices, but maybe try to do a, a live podcast from um, St. Vincent's. But we'll be back probably in two more weeks uh, after min- mini camp. Maybe we'll try to get together, Jim. OK, well, uh, we didn't talk about the new GM. Uh, oh, so- Yeah completely well, i mean i just i just finished that's why i'm late with you i just finished a column on it and it's free and if you want to get my thoughts on uh, what seems to be a very uninspiring day of front office movement and shuffling you can read my column it may uninspire you as well oh yeah it makes me i'm very inspired to read it <laughs> I, i'm sorry that it's such a bland introduction but that's a bland hire and the thing was i wanted omar just because I was being contrarian and everybody was down on him. And now I'm looking through the transcript. I'm like, and you look, who who's at the top of the hierarchy? Last year was uh, Rooney, Colbert, Khan, Tomlin. This year, Rooney, Colbert, Khan, Tomlin. There's been no change. Mm-hmm. They've hired a the guy who built the Lions. They brought him in to replace Brandon Hunt. They promoted someone's son. And they brought in this Andy... Weedle, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, that seems to be the one potential inspiring note there. Otherwise, wow. Yeah. Not much change. This was supposed to be the big year of change. You know, you know. I, I suck at pronunciations. I was saying Weedle. So it's Weedle. So then I'll go with Weedle. <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible. Remember Ola Duncan? I couldn't get that one correct. All right. Well, well, you've inspired me to go get some coffee, brother. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's a Saturday. You got to get, got to start it off right. So, well, well we Saturday, pre- yeah, I, I like to ease my way into Saturdays because Saturday night, that's like the only night I, I go out. So, okay. so I'm all excited to stay out till 10 o'clock tonight. Yeah. See, I, I got three kids. There's no staying out. <laughs> at 8 30. So, I'm pretty lame. So. All right, Jim. Hey, I've done my chore. You, hey, we all have to do our duty. Yep. Raise good kids, and you're doing your duty. And that means no Saturday nights, pal. Pittsburgh dad. That's what you are. That's 100%. I I'm just waiting around to be Pittsburgh granddad now. And in the meantime, I'm going to go out till 10 o'clock on Saturday nights. Awesome. Well, I hope you have a good time. Thanks, man. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you guys listening. Please check out Jim on Twitter, at Jim Wexel. 
You can check out his work, obviously, at the Still City Insider. You can check out my site, thestillstudy.com. Give me a follow at Still Study on Twitter, and we will see you back here for episode number 31 of the Still City Insider. Thanks, everyone.